0: For Thursday, July sixteenth, two 2020. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? or a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, the coronavirus has given local school districts a nearly impossible task, plan for an uncertain future.
1: School systems are well versed in coming up with plans, but in terms of being really nimble and being able to switch back and forth, that's not something that they've really had to do much of.
0: Martha Dalton, who covers education for WABE, joins me to discuss what the first day of school will look like for students across Metro Atlanta in this ever-changing time. That's next.
1: You love free. And at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org.
0: Within mere hours of each other, two of the state's biggest school districts announced they would begin the year entirely online. Today, Fulton and Cobb County schools made that call following similar decisions from DeKalb and Clayton counties and the city of Atlanta. With less than a month to go before the traditional start of the K-12 school year here in Georgia, there's still a lot of uncertainty about what schools will actually look like this year. That's been a lot of confusion for parents, teachers, and students, and a lot is still in flux. This is being recorded on the afternoon of Thursday, July 16th. A lot could change by the time you hear this. Martha Dalton has been covering all of this for WABE, and she joins me now for more. Hi, Martha. Thanks for talking with me. Hi, Sam. I want to start maybe by stepping away from all this confusion, all this late breaking news and stepping back in time to the first day of school last year. This is something that parents, teachers, students are all looking forward to getting back, starting the year. What is that day kind of normally like? And because you were out in schools last year to kind of cover it.
1: That's right. And as you can hear, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of energy. Uh, People are really excited to see each other. This is children in an APS elementary school, and they're being greeted by teachers and staff as they walk into the building. And as you can tell, there's a lot of activity going on, so a lot of people moving in different directions, you know, people being directed to classrooms, and just the general excitement of sort of the first day. Hey, every day we're ready! All right. I'll be back. Okay. I had a first-grade teacher one year describe the first day of school to me as wonderfully hectic. So there's a lot of excitement, a lot of noise usually uh, during the first day of school as everyone's excited to sort of see each other again.
0: And we're getting a sense already, even a month out, that the first day of school for kids that's coming up is going to be very different.
1: It will be a lot quieter, it seems like. Um, You know, for a lot of Metro Atlanta districts, like you said, they're starting the year off remotely. Now, there are some Metro Atlanta districts that are sticking with um, an in-person option. They also have a virtual option, but there are some who are still planning for an in-person first day at this point. But even that will be a lot different this year because they have to put social distancing measures in place. They need to put hand sanitizer stations up everywhere. They need staff to wear masks and would like students to wear masks. So the sounds of the first day of school this year, I would expect to be much more subdued.
0: The big news this week is a number of these major metro Atlanta school districts, some of the biggest in the state, making the decision, hey, we're going to start classes online. Talk with me a little bit about how these decisions were being made by these big districts and maybe what some of the district leaders have, have had to say about them.
1: Right. Well, it's a little bit different in every district, but most of them have been watching the data, and that's been true, you know, since uh, they had to shut down in March and go to virtual learning. Um, but it's a little bit different for each district. You know, DeKalb and Atlanta kind of waited to put a plan out. They were sort of monitoring data, um, waited until this week to really flesh out their plans and announce them to the public. And other districts, like Cobb, for example, Fulton, for example, were planning up until yesterday, <laughs> We're planning to have an in-person option, but it just came down to it. Both superintendents for Fulton and Cobb just said, you know, as they watched the data, they just couldn't justify going back to school safely. Those are both districts, by the way, that serve 100,000 kids or more. So we're talking about, you know, a lot of people moving through schools, employees and students. So they said just Based on the COVID spread and the data, they couldn't justify putting people at risk like that.
0: It seems almost the kinds of preparations these districts would have had to have made to bring kids back in person just would have been so onerous. I mean, is is that part of the decision making here to just say it's easier to teach kids online?
1: Well, it is easier, certainly, logistically it is. But in Cobb County, for example, the superintendent there said, you know, it just got to be a situation where in addition to the data showing that cases had increased in the county, he said there were just a lot of questions that the district couldn't answer. Here's Here's Cobb Superintendent Chris Ragsdale talking at a school board meeting today via Zoom. Should we require masks? Can we require masks? What happens if students or staff doesn't wear a mask if we do require them? What will happen if? What will happen when? How will we know it's safe?
0: Questions I'm sure a lot of districts are are trying to figure out the answers to, too. So you say there are some districts, maybe if we want to think about more the outer uh, kind of edges of metro Atlanta, that are planning to go back in person, at least right now. Talk to me a little bit about what's happening in, with, with those districts.
1: Right. So those districts, for example, Cherokee County Schools, um, City of Buford, they'll need to take a lot into consideration. You know, for example, transportation. What do buses look like now? You can't have three kids sitting in a seat together, right? That will look a lot different. You can't really have kids sitting together in the cafeteria the way you used to. A lot of schools are planning on having kids eat lunch in their classroom. And the classroom itself, you know, will be set up differently. They need to socially distance there. And, you know, I do think it's also interesting for those schools and districts that are going to require uh, students and staff to wear masks. trying to have a six-year-old wear a mask for six hours can be challenging. So it's, you know, they're looking at a lot of changes and they've really got to think through all of these different safety measures.
0: What have you been hearing from parents of these students who are trying to roll with all these changes?
1: Well, a lot of parents are pretty frustrated, as you can imagine. There are lots of different factors at play here. So it really depends... A, on the district, B, on the parent situation a lot of times. So, for example, there are a lot of parents that are really going to have trouble working and trying to manage their child's remote learning process. You know, I mean, that's a real challenge for a lot of parents. So, you know, that's something they have to consider. Of course, they have to consider the rate of transmission. And, um, you know, are they putting staff and students at risk? And it's not easy. You know, you could tell these superintendents really wanted... Uh, To return to in person learning. It's what, you know, professionals say is really healthy for kids, the socialization of school. They've already been out for about six months or so. So, you know, it's not easy, but it's just sort of. The reality of the situation. And a lot of parents understand that, but they're still frustrated. And a lot are frustrated with the different messages they've been getting from school systems. For example, Cobb, you know, not to pick on Cobb, but Cobb has changed its plan three times now. So it's just tough for them not knowing, you know, they're trying to plan for the beginning of the school year and they keep getting different plans sort of thrown at them.
0: I, I, you know, I think it's important here to also think about what this has meant for for teachers. They're also potentially being kind of jerked around here where they have a month to go before school starts. And now, you know, say they are in a county that says they were going to go back. Now they're not. Um, They have to adjust to that. So this this seems like a tumultuous time for teachers, too.
1: Honestly, a lot of teachers in the districts who had planned to go back remotely, like APS, Decab, were honestly relieved um, that the districts made those decisions because some of them just didn't feel safe going back. Both districts did surveys. And for Decab, 70 percent of staff, now that includes teachers and other people who work at the schools, but 70 percent of staff did not feel comfortable going back in person. If you think about that and how big DeKalb is, it's a stressful thing for teachers because definitely they, they also know that the best thing for their kids is for them to be with them in class. But at the same time, if they don't feel comfortable or safe going back, um, you know, that creates a problem too. So, um, so yeah, definitely it's a stressful time for teachers. You know, some that I've talked to really don't like online learning because they don't feel like their students are learning as much as they would in the regular classroom. So even though they know it's the safe thing to do, and they may not be comfortable in the school building, they also aren't thrilled about, you know, having to deliver instruction that way.
0: Of course, a conversation about schools is not just about classroom time, uh, but the other kinds of services that schools provide to kids, you know, meals, for for one example. Uh, so, so how are districts, especially these ones that have now very recently said we're not going to be starting the year in person, how are they navigating that?
1: Right. That's something they're still figuring out. And you have to remember, this is really new territory for everybody, for all school districts. They're all trying to figure out how to do this. You know, how do we provide these services still, even though the building's closed, basically? So most of the Metro Atlanta districts have said they will provide free meals, even though, you know, they're doing remote learning, but they're trying to figure out the logistics of that because it's, You know, there's there are no easy answers. A lot of districts in the spring were uh, loading up buses and having buses take food to people, but they're not so sure now that that's really practical or that that's safe. So these are all the things that they're having to work through in the next month before school starts.
0: Things like sports, clubs. What are school districts planning planning for those kinds of activities?
1: It depends on the district. For example, Cobb County is not putting an end to sports. Um, The Georgia High School Association has said that schools can have groups of up to 50 athletes practicing right now. Um, Now, some districts are sticking with that. Some districts are breaking into smaller groups of athletes but Fulton County Superintendent said today during his announcement that they were going to move to online learning this fall that they had practices over the summer you know they limited the amount of athletes but it still didn't go well. Here's Fulton County Superintendent Mike Looney talking via teleconference.
0: The number of active COVID cases amongst our athletes and our coaches has continued to rise so much so that I have a hard time visualizing if with groups of 20 athletes, we can't safely get together and practice and condition. I'm not sure how we can foreseeably do school in a safe manner. It strikes me, Martha, that that these are institutions that really rely on long-term planning to run smoothly. It just seems like all this flexibility That's being required of them right now is, is potentially a real test for that reason.
1: Oh, definitely. And I think we saw that in the spring when schools kind of shifted to online learning then. And while they made the initial shift and you know they had to sort of pivot kind of quickly, it was really tough to maintain because they didn't really have the infrastructure for that. So I think one of the things that's really important to remember as we talk about this and as schools are making these decisions is that they're going to have to address inequity and they're going to have to address what they call the digital divide and make sure that if they're requiring students to uh, learn virtually that they are making it possible for them to do that. Another issue that schools are focused on and are trying to figure out is dealing with mental health because the pandemic undoubtedly has caused a lot of stress for kids. They're trying to figure out how to address that at the beginning of the year while also delivering an online instructional model. So they're looking at all of those things um, and they've got a lot to figure out. Like you said, it requires a lot of flexibility. And they may have to think about doing things, delivering things in different ways than they have before.
0: So, Martha, just kind of looking forward, we have these school districts making short-term decisions about the future. They say for the first, you know, X number of days we're going to be online. What happens after that? And, And when are parents and students and teachers going to find out what the future actually holds for them? It seems like at some point districts will have to make a decision about the entire year.
1: Exactly. That's exactly right. And they're going to have to evaluate in the first couple of weeks when they get back, you know, is this working? Is this going how we thought it was going to go? And if it's not, they're going to have to adjust. And that's like you said, that's really tough for schools. They're not used to operating that way. It could be a test for them. You know, how flexible are we? How quickly can we pivot to a different plan? Um school systems are well versed in coming up with plans. If you've ever been to any kind of school board meeting, you'll see pages and pages and pages of plans. But in terms of being really nimble and being able to switch back and forth, that's not something that they've really had to do much of. They're going to have to be able to, you know, really move at a different pace, so to speak.
0: Martha Dalton covers education for WABE. Did You Wash Your Hands? is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. Special thanks to Stephen Key. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. Have you donated to WABE yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wab.org slash donate and become a member right now. And thank you.